Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use the code HOUSE at checkout. 20% off your order, free international shipping. This is episode 114. Um, big week in some ways. Um, Jacob Carlson joins us from Easy Hire Cannabis. Uh, one of the cooler... One of the cooler conversations we've had with a business owner recently, I think, uh, disrupting the weed hiring industry. A lot of market out there. Quick spoiler. Um, the, the Indeed for Weed. It is quite literally the Indeed for Weed. Indeed that for might weed. honestly just be our episode name, like Jacob Carlson from the Indeed for Weed. Uh, it'll make an appearance in there somewhere, if not. Um, what are the big headlines this week? Well, football. Uh, the the bills are out. That's the big thing. And I'm going to stand up on my soapbox real quick. You can go to last week's episode. I, I like the Bengals there. I I called the Cincinnati, uh, I called the Cincinnati win. Yeah, they really, uh, I mean, throw the tinfoil hat on and, you know, maybe DeMar wasn't in the building and that's why they didn't oh, win for that. <laughs> Oh, you're, oh no. I'm not. It just, that was, that was what happened after a Bills loss. I see Josh Allen is a mid quarterback that literally, what has he done? I've seen uh, Sean McDermott talk about, well, you know, all those other guys are on, you know, all these other guys are on rookie contract deals so they can kind of, uh, you know, and, and they were bad teams so they can get guys like Jamar Chase. That's why they're, you know. But in his defense, he also did say, he goes, I just got flat out out coach. Like yeah. he also put a lot of the blame on his shoulders and said, Zach Taylor was a much better coach than I was this week. He was, he was. And I mean, again, this is uh what fifth straight year for the chiefs in the, uh, in the AFC championship back-to-back for the Bengals. I mean, yeah. this is, this is going to be that, that dynasty matchup that we'll be talking about for years. Like Joe Burrow solid as they come. And I, I'm rooting for Joe Burrow. I'm I am too. Him. Cause selfishly, cause I don't want to see Jackson Mahomes or, uh, or Brittany or any drama in at the Super Bowl Because yeah. you feel like Jackson Mahomes, just like, I'm going to knock on wood because I don't want to jinx it, but we haven't seen a lot of them this year. He we haven't. And then we haven't, and then we saw we just there's this video that just came out from the divisional round of him screaming, oh. bobbing his head, and his wife. And listen, I feel bad because it's like Patrick Mahomes gets a lot of heat for not a lot. Like he seems like a nice guy. He like <laughs> donates to the community. He like owns a sports franchise. Like he won them a Super Bowl. He keeps his mouth shut. He just plays flashy football. And everyone's like, fuck this guy. Like, why does he why is he catching? Yeah, so much he hate? shouldn't shoulder that pain. Like it's the problems everybody has is with his wife and with with his brother. This is a guy that's very active in the community, like you said. He owns a good slice of sporting KC. Like he's never done anything wrong. He's with his, you know, girlfriend now wife since high school. Yeah. Like he stays out of the headlines of anything negative. And everyone's just and like it was a great story when he backed up Alex Smith, came right in. Like Honestly, very likable guy that's now turned into the villain because he's good. I yeah, I just don't understand like why everyone like and no one hates Travis Kelsey. No one really <laughs> yeah, everybody likes Travis Kelsey. No one hates uh Andy Reid. Uh I guess I can't name you someone that does. You know, everyone's like, oh, the jolly guy wearing the Hawaiian shirt at uh the coaches summit in the summer, right? <laughs> like 
No one, no one hates any of these players. Chris Jones, likable guy. People are obviously very bullish on Tyreek Hill. Why does Patrick Mahomes get so much hate? Yeah, there's a few guys on that team that, like Juju, is a guy that. All right, I get the hate, but even still, like you know, I, I haven't heard any. Really, I like haven't Juju. heard. Yeah, I have heard. I have not heard any Juju hate this year. Right. I to your point. There was significantly more Juju hate while he was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, him doing all the TikTok stuff. I haven't seen a well, TikTok in a minute. Yeah, because Andy Reid was probably like, "If you do that shit on my field, like you're getting cut." The the Chiefs are a great team, and they get so much hate. And the pecking order of hatred is like Patrick Mahomes one, Eric the Enemy number two, because that guy cannot get a job for the life of him, even though he is five straight AFC championships. But I think, did we talk about this a couple of weeks ago? Like if you're, him, why, yeah. why would you leave? leave? Yeah. You know, like, I think there's an element of that. I think it's like, if I'm him, there's like a 75% chance. I'm just showing up for these interviews, you know, saying all this random crap, like, Hey, you're going to have to pay me more money than the world has to offer because I can sit on my ass and keep winning Super Bowls or at least trying to. Yeah. I mean, my, I think my prediction is he is a, uh... Handshake agreement with Andy Reid. Uh, he must, right? Andy like, Reid is ready. Yeah, Andy Reid wins one more and, you know, calls it a quits. How many rings does Andy Reid have? Um, That's a great question. Did we talk about this on a recent show too? I feel like this might have been last year. This, uh, so he won two. One of them is the head coach. That was the Super Bowl in uh, 2020 in Miami when they and beat, then, uh, they were playing the 49ers that year. He was the uh, assistant. What was it? Where the hell was he an assistant for that, though? Uh, Packers. 97 against uh, the Pats. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was uh, Mike Holmgren and Bill Parcells. Yeah. world. But, I mean, he's got a 246, 138, and one win record. He's 20 and 16 in the postseason. And an overall career average of point of sixty three percent. I mean, I, I he's sixty four, so I think he's got a a few years left in him at least. Yeah, but how old? So he's sixty four. Eric, like the you look at a guy like Belichick who's seventy, and could he could he coach to that age? I think I don't think there's a question. This dude has won the AFC West one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in a row. Got to be what? Eight, yeah, seven, seven. Seven. So Eric Bieniemy was he was the coordinator of the year in 2020, but he's been on the Chiefs since 2013. Right. It's like you have to weigh it out. Do you need the change of pace for him, or is like again? I don't think there's anything that's going to make me say he wouldn't want to just sit on his thumb and design all these funky fucking plays like you have the most athletic quarterback in in the world that's not going to change um and why would you jeopardize that like yeah you know the fame and glory of taking a franchise out of the gutter sure i listen that's that's a good value right there but like i don't think he'd ever regret if he left patrick mahomes like how the fuck could you do that the problem is guess his age was he like 55? 53. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he'll be an older head coach. What's the what's the oldest head coach? It's Belichick and then probably, probably Belichick. Like, well, now we're gonna find this out. 
NFL head coach ages. This is bad radio, but whatever. Um, Carroll's up there too. Just realized that. They're both 70. So it's Carroll and Belichick that are 70. And then Andy Reid, who's 64. Rivera. Is he, did they fire him? No. No, he's still, I think he's still kicking it. Um, Harbaugh's 60. Then Mike McCarthy and Todd Bowles up there too. So what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight with Doug Peterson. He'd be the the ninth oldest head coach. I mean, that's that's not yeah. too bad. Well, I'm just looking at like newer coaches. So Steve Wilkes, the interim for the Panthers, he's 53. Eberflus wow. just started with the Bears. He's 52. Dennis Allen. People forget that. Yeah, Dennis Allen's 50 on the Saints. Um, Dable's 47, Jeff Saturday. I mean, again, interim tag 47. Yeah, uh, he's Jerry. Oh, well, Jerry Roseburg, he's the interim. He's 67. He's an old fart. Um, yeah, you have to think Denver's in the market too for somebody else. I think they're gonna, yeah. I mean, we're up. starting to see the shift because, like, if you look at like the bottom, besides Zach Taylor, who's 39, I mean. Brandon Staley, Chargers, was supposed to be the next young thing. He's probably going to get the can. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Uh, Mike, McDan- Mike McDaniel, I mean, again, he he had a good first year. Kevin O'Connell, uh, 37. McVay, 36, still the youngest. And Yeah, both were – that's – first of all, that's fucking crazy that Sean McVay is the youngest head coach and he's thinking about – like, he. I feel like the past two seasons have always been like, oh, is McVay going to retire? Take him and then and Aaron Donald. And it's like Aaron Donald is literally – now that J.J. Watt retire – has the chance to be like the best defensive player to ever face the game. Yeah. I, and, like, I why, even... why would you want to call it quits? You have one ring, like pump the brakes. <laughs> he has so much talent and he's like, nah, I'm, I'm good. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, tip of the hat to Kevin O'Connell and Mike McDaniel this year, though. I, I thought they both had very good. Say what you want about the Vikings and the Dolphins had their struggles, but they also didn't have a, like a consistent quarterback all year. Imagine what they could have done to go back to a couple weeks ago with Aaron Rodgers. That I here's my hot take: that team would have hosted a playoff game. I think so. I think maybe so. two. They they would look better than the Bills right now. I was gonna say that team might be better. That's kind of a stretch. Better than the Bills, but yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm still not off. And this is as a Patriots fan too. I'm still not out on Josh Allen. I think no, you he can't is. Be. You can't be. Like, oh well, the Bills. I'm not saying like for the Bills. I'm saying like as, as a fan in this, is Josh Allen like the the real? Is he the him? Is he him? The, that debate. Um, I just think he. Yes, he turns the ball over. He makes some stupid decisions sometimes, but I think. He is still the full package, right? He's no Mahomes. He's not like a guy that's going to do 360s, break, uh, you know, in the pocket collapses, break three tackles, and then gain 10 yards. He's not ever really going to do that, but he's a big guy. He's physical, and he can air it out. He can, that dude can sling it. He's, he's top four, three in the AFC. Yeah. Um, Tua, well, Mac Jones, and him, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say the third best quarterback in the uh, AFC East. Yeah, well, so Mahomes won Burrow two. Josh, I, I would say I would say Josh Allen's three. Ray, I'm trying to think who else would be. Herbert was up there. He's I think he probably still is top five for me. I don't know. 
he he's got i mean he's got he's very fortunate that he has weapons around him but he can't you know he's got to get it more done but he's still young tua tbd um trevor lawrence good year he, he's up and coming yeah um, there's a lot of variants so like lamar's in there um Lamar you know, I think is is this year a fluke for Russ or is this just what he is now um right. there there's a lot of questions and I feel like every week we're like all right we'll talk about this in our quarterback episode and we just end up talking about gonna, fucking quarterbacks. yeah we're gonna have our quarterback episode that's coming up uh like also Deshaun Watson too I what are we gonna get with a full year from him with good weapons and a good offensive scheme that's an answer I simply do not have and is Kenny Pickett going to be uh, – is this going to be his breakout year, his sophomore season, right? Who knows? Time will tell for our quarterback episode. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> we're going to do it, I promise. Post-Super Bowl, uh, we'll do it. Yeah, post – not we don't have time for that shit now because no. I – even though we just talk about it every week. Um, let's do beers. And I'm – I actually – I didn't have anything great this week, but – I'm going to throw it back because it's the Rhode Island Brewfest uh, on Saturday of this week. I went back and said, what was the best beer that I have rated from the Rhode Island Brewfest of old? Right. It's, so we it's did... going to be the Norwood Coffee Porter. That was good. It is not my choice, though. Okay. Because we did that already. And this was when you and I went in January 2020. That was January 26th of 2020. It was a fucking great day, first of all. Went to the Villanova game, watched Villanova beat Providence, uh, walked over, and then we we walked to, to the beer fest. Uh, we walked back home. That's, like, incredible. The fact that that's right there, you, ha- you go have 100 beers, and this time we're going to go have 100 beers and go, like, play with a dog. This yeah. Unbelievable. Which, before we die, we'll kick off our beer segment. Uh, we, we have a pod dog now. Pod puppy. Tucker the Golden Doodle is has joined as the third chair. So in a in a unexpected turn of events, I got a puppy. He is on the Instagram. He has a beer collar and uh he's two weeks, well he's he's three months old, but he's two weeks into this uh into this journey and uh reviews are in. He's he's a good dog. He's a good boy. He is a very good boy. Um he strikes me as he would like the beer that I'm about to rate. He would. So it's a peanut uh, butter. It's a peanut butter beer. Maybe he wouldn't like it. Okay, what is it? Um, I'm, trying, I'm just now. I'm really yeah. Tucker would actually be. I can strike like I see him as a coffee porter guy. Like maybe a, a little scoop of peanut butter in there. That would be. That would be his go-to. I think he. Should to get sponsored for from northwoods brewing so we're gonna put that out in the universe northwoods brewing uh great stuff go check him out coffee porter send tucker some beer he loves that shit i'm, I'm just declaring that for us now um okay i've teased this enough shook ones volume five orange and vanilla dreamsicle vanilla. we have this about midway it was peak drunk of the first brew fest we ever went to it's from sole purpose brewing in worcester massachusetts you gave it a four five i gave this a four seven five wow this was 
among the best beers and most unique beers that I have ever had in my life. And it's out into the universe now. It, it tasted when I, I don't know if you remember this. It was a milkshake IPA. It was sweet without like that sweet candy aftertaste. It was ice cold and it was fucking delectable. And it tasted like an ice cream, like literally tasted like a creamsicle. An orange creamsicle. This it was so good. Sole purpose gets an A plus for this. Sole purpose. Shook and it's greater good, technically. That's who uh, that's who makes it. It's a sole purpose is a, a sub-brand of Greater Good Imperial Brewing Company in Worcester. Where'd you have it again? No, I'm just I'm I'm reviewing a beer of old. That's all. No, I no no no, I know, but it says you said it was at the beer festival 2020. It has it, uh, you again on December fourth, twenty twenty one. Because I've ranked it a year and nine months afterwards. Ah, uh, that'll do. <laughs> uh, remember, this is uh, my only birthday wish is for you to actually <laughs> check in your beers. I still have to check in my beers from the last one, so <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that between now and then. I can't. I just can't have it go on past the next brew fest. That's my. I'm working on a, a 360 day uh, lead time here. I was gonna say you have a couple days left to. Uh, I'm gonna die. Maybe it's a tradition that I'll just go from years past and see if those ratings actually hold up. After yeah. <laughs> All right. I hope they're there. Uh, greater good. I I doubt they'll be serving anything like that again. It, although it was delicious. Let's. There see. were some funky beers there. Um. Right. Yeah, this gets a four seven five any day for me. This is delicious. I hope they're there because this. I'm looking back at it and this this does look good. So, let's see. Uh, Rhode Island Brewfest put out. They haven't finalized it yet, but some some of the folks that are going to be there: Aeronaut, Appenog, Athletic, Bravo, Buttonwoods, Four River, Foolproof, EBBS, Dogfish Head. Interesting. Wow. Citizen Sire, Chair 2, Castle, Good Dog, Graysail, Halyard, Yapis, Mass Landing. Uh, you know what Good Dog is? It's that hard seltzer. I is think it? they might have been there last year, but it, it's uh, they do black cherry, dragon fruit, orange mango, and cucumber lime. It's like the red can. I don't. I can't recall having it, but zero carbs, zero sugar, zero sugar 90, 90 cals. Not bad. Okay. I mean, all of our Rhode Island friends are there. And then Single Cut's going to be there. Always a fantastic one. That's good. Uh, Timberyard, I've never heard of. Vanished Valley. Wormtown. Oh, Widowmaker up in Massachusetts. Nice. They make some good stuff. And then some people's logos that don't have names on it. So always good. Spindrift Spiked. Huh. Timberyard, where's East Brookfield, Massachusetts? No idea. Nor- <laughs> Northwood is going to be there, so I can't wait to say hello to them again. Make another TikTok of everybody just going like, yeah, this coffee porter is fantastic. That was good beer. Good beer. Um, Timberyard, fun fact, mere miles away from Treehouse in Charlton. Um, More you know. 
Let's see. Spencer and East Brookfield line. That's going to be pretty good. Um, th- this is, I think, I'll throw this out here. I think this is probably on paper the best lineup they've had. Probably. Because it, it is almost everybody who's anybody in Rhode Island. Um, you know who I don't see is Crooked Current. That sucks. Interesting. Hopefully, hopefully they come. Oh, that's a misprint. It's still early. They said they'll finalize. Uh, the Johnson Wales people will be there. Always interesting. I don't know. It's Johnson Wales has like a, a professional craft brewing certificate program. So it's students that go in and brew beer. You know, they have to do it from start to finish and they serve it. And from what I remember, their beer was pretty good last year, but I wouldn't know because I didn't fucking rate it. So I don't see long live on this list either. So. And they're all, uh, I know, for, yeah. I know for a fact they're there. That's a very good point. So. Um, I gave the Jewu Hefeweizen a three, seven, five out of five. I think that's pretty good for a Hef. Yeah. You can't get much. Four is probably the top on a Hef, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at other beers that I rated that were good last year. Honorable mentions go to rising tide mountainside. I gave that a four or five. Um, what else? Uh, honorable mention goes to uh, Smug. Had a really good one. It was their Ugly Sweater Holiday IPA. Um, that was a 4-5 for me. When was this beer festival? Um, it was the week after. It was the first week of February last year. Okay, let me go on. Let's see. And from the uh, Rhode Island Brewing Society, Ribs, I they did a Backwoods Blueberry beer that also was worthy of four or five. So those were the best for me last year. Um, but shout out all-time Mount Rushmore of Rhode Island Brewfest beers. Was that Gunner's, was that Gunner's daughter from Mass Landing? Uh, from Mass Landing. That's what I have as I have the Northwood Coffee Porter as a four or five. I have Gunner's Daughters Mass Landing as a 4-5. And then I have Blue Violet Saison uh, from Lops. I remember that being very good. And then a double IPA called Title Flux from Castle Island, which I was very impressed with. Hmm. Um... Oh, I did have some good beers. Did have some good beers. Holy shit, I had the I had the list up from 2020. That's what I was looking at from the backwoods blue, but like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I've now I've got the other list up here. Um yeah, Mass Landing Gunner's Daughter. I also gave it four or five. That was a good beer. That's a good one. Okay. I got a good beer to rate. Oh, yes, go for it. So swung over to our friends at Moniker. Happy two-year anniversary to Brian Benedict and company. Uh, they did a collaboration beer with Hotline Pizza. Hotline Pizza, the pandemic pizza that turned into an actual shop now. So they made a beer. It was called Pizza Beer. Um so obviously their new shop is in the neighborhood of where Moniker is. And if you don't know the hotline story, they were an Instagram page that 
you had to put your name down for Chicago or not Chicago, Detroit style, like the deep Sicilian uh, square pizza during the pandemic, you would have to put your name down. And four or five months later, you get a DM being like, here's your pizza. You have 24 hours to confirm Venmo only and uh, don't park in the driveway and pick it up. So now two years later, they became a little bit more streamlined. They had better ordering, more availability, and now they have a location. So they made an IPA in honor of the um, the two-year anniversary. And it was a, let me pull it up, pizza beer. Pizza beer, which I love the name, the can. It was a hoppy, slightly bitter uh, IPA, hazy IPA with hints of basil throughout. Now, Basil and beer, I was definitely skeptical. Fantastic herb to add to beer. I thought the flavor was perfect. It didn't, you know, pierce through it too crazy. It was just subtle enough where it's like, okay, I can taste it and it's refreshing. It's kind of like a cucumber mint water, just enough where it's perfect. Um, and of course, Moniker makes great hazy IPA. So I gave that do, 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 a four out of five for me. And that was a... Solid beer, picked up a four pack and hopefully, hopefully they still have some stock of that, but congrats to our friends over at Moniker for two years. I mean, we interviewed them uh, pretty early on in the beginning. So nice to, uh, nice to see them still cooking. Yeah, we did them September, 2021, October, maybe. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was like when that. Our, our friend Jeff Goodno was still around. Um, we actually mentioned him last week. Hope he's doing well with his coffee business. Yeah. Uh, Brian Benedict's still there. Very friendly staff, too. I thought they were great when, even in a packed house, when we were there for the World Cup, drinking yeah, beers early, at 10 a.m. Early morning, but they they uh, serviced us well. They serviced us well. You know, I never thought I'd put, the first thing I put into my stomach on a Saturday morning would be, um, would be a Pilsner and a meatball, like, grinder, but... Yeah. And then go to coffee at one. Would have wanted any other way except a team. Well, I would have preferred the USA to win. Yes. Not getting pieced by Holland. Yeah, I would have preferred that we not stand to the guy that was rooting for the Netherlands, but I know, right? Like what a dude. Like like I'm sorry. Like, fuck you. I'm sorry. If you're gonna like root against the obvious choice, just do it at home. Go to a not even that. Go to a Dutch bar. I mean, how many Dutch bars there are in Providence? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe not Providence, but like drive up to fucking Boston or go to New York. I don't know. Like, especially when Providence was one of the top five cities in the country streaming Team USA games. Shout out. Yeah, Providence. you have the balls to go and root for the Netherlands Psych. in a packed bar full of people that are cheering their home country on. Come on, man. Psycho move. Psycho move. So, Although Virgil van Dyke is very good. Oh, yeah, no, like obviously credit where credit is due. Great team, great program, great players, just great programs like yeah. NIL. <laughs> it's just like you're literally, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Like there's no need to rep your orange scarf in a bar. Like you either bleed red, white, and blue, or you don't bleed at all. Yeah, you, I, I agree. If you're going to sit there and be, it's like, I have no good comparison for that, actually. Like I was going to say, it's like a Red Sox fan going into stands or something like that. But no, that's old time rivalry. It's like, that's, that's baseball. 
That's right. literally like seeing the Olympics and being like, oh, I really hope like Usain Bolt wins it, which is like, okay, yeah, Usain Bolt, fantastic athlete. You still want the Team USA runners to get gold. Uh, I, but I think that's different though, because it's like, all right, this guy's probably going for like a record of some sort. Like that would be pretty cool. Like everybody's rooting for okay. Usain. If you root for some random motherfucker who's the favorite from like, you know, maybe it's Jamaica, maybe it's like Canada, maybe it's somewhere else. Right, that's that's worse. That's way worse, in my opinion. Because like, there's it's like people rooting for Phelps that weren't from America. Like everybody's like, all right, this guy's gonna set a record. Everybody's got to root for him. Just root for your country. Come on. I agree. Root for your country or your country that you have roots from. But that guy wasn't Dutch. Hey, you never know. Maybe he was Dutch. <laughs> He did not. He was not carrying an oven. Confirmed. Yeah, and that's talking football and beer. Uh, somehow we ended up there. Uh, let's go into business. Jacob Carlson's with us. Uh, the Indeed for Weed Easy Hire Cannabis. Pretty cool concept they're working on. They're making jobs in the cannabis world more accessible and uh, with greater reach to the larger community here in the U.S. Uh, we talk a lot of stuff about what the future of this industry could look like. The spoiler again is that it's red hot, only growing. So let's bring in the expert. Jacob Carlson's here. All right, everybody with us this week, we are joined by Jacob Carlson, the co-founder and CEO of Easy Hire Cannabis, the Indeed for Weed. Great tagline, great tagline for the company. But uh, Jacob Carlson brings us, you know, a industry and knowledge experience from going from the corporate world to the cannabis world. And we're happy to talk about his startup. So Jacob, welcome to the show. And how's everything going? It's going pretty well. Will, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, excited to chat. So we like to ask this question for, you know, some of our entrepreneurs, because it's always something different on how they answer. This is hard, hit, hard hitting journalism. If you're ready for this first question. Ready? Ready to, ready to rock. Yeah. Who is Jacob Carlson? Oh man, who isn't Jacob Carlson? Um, That's usually the answer we get as well. So I guess it's not hard hitting, but pretty like if we have a power rankings of the answers we get from that, that's probably up there. Who isn't? Yeah. Um, let's see. Maybe to start. So I am a uh, a son of an Ethiopian immigrant and a lesbian woman who had me, um, or became a lesbian later on in her life but that's kind of like my starting place of a very unique background to that i grew up in uh, the metro west area outside of boston so grew up about a mile from where the boston marathon starts um went to college at umass boston uh and then i also went and, and toured around the country and saw the band fish um so i had dreadlocks through my 20s and kind of did that traveling around scene sort of thing ran a corporate event company after that process that's how i got my job at hubspot um, I helped with some of the initial inbound conferences, but worked at HubSpot for about seven years, a uh, huge part of my corporate experience before kind of getting into the easy hire thing. But uh, I hope that's some of the background, but that's, that's kind of me in a little bit of a nutshell. And, you know, in 2015, when you landed that job at HubSpot too, they went public basically right before that. So I would imagine, you know, you, you talked to a lot of HubSpotters like 2016, 17, 18, and they all sort of say, wow, this is the coolest time to be at HubSpot. For you, was was that your perception as well? And sort of what was the the mood in Cambridge at that point? 
Uh, it, it was it was a special time. I think it's much easier to like look back at those sorts of times and be like, oh man, that was it's like you looking back at high school and be like, oh man, it was so fun. Like when you were getting up, but you know, like when you were in high school, you probably didn't think that all the time necessarily, sort of thing. Um, I started in March 2015, so it was about a three four months after they had just gone public. Um, in my interview process, I was asked how much money that I had made the year before, and then was asked if I wanted to make double that money going forward for the year forward. So I said, sure. I had never sold software. I had never demoed software. Heck, I could barely use software at that point sort of thing. Um, so a lot of my coaching and training around that, I was a small business owner that had a business that made about a half a million dollars in revenue. Um, and if you know anybody that runs that size of business, they're not rolling in dough. They're trying to keep this thing kind of opened. And that's where, uh, my role at HubSpot was really focused around working with our solution and agency partners. So I worked with a group of 30 to 40, uh, agency partners all over the country that had businesses from two to three person shops up to, you know, two, 300 person agencies. And I was kind of the person in between those businesses and HubSpot, the superpower uh, software company. But, you know, when I think back of those early days, I think of lower quotas, I think of bigger territories, I think of bigger budgets when it comes to celebrating as a team. But I have no negative things to say about HubSpot and working in HubSpot at my time. It changed my life. I met all, you know, handful of my best mentors there and it kind of trained me and it allowed me to kind of do some of the stuff I do now. But yeah, it was a little different than how it was when I left from when I started. I think there were 500 people when I started. I left there were about 7,500 or 7,500 people there. So almost 10 times the size difference. So, yeah. And you were there for seven years, but halfway through your tenure, easy hire, you know, started to become part of your everyday routine in your life. So tell us about how you got into the cannabis industry and what was that aha moment that's like, we got to make easy hire. I love that question. So when I started at HubSpot, again, like I talked about being like a small business and startup owner, I had told them straight up, like, I will get bored here if I don't have other things that I do, like on the side or inside of my job. Um, I was a top performer on the sales team. So it was one of those things at points where they were like, yeah, you can kind of whatever, like, is keeping you doing as long as I was doing the things that I needed to do. Um, no one really cared. So I was still kind of working in my event company. Even when I started there, I had another company called uh, rapid crowd. Actually, that was a Twitter automation tool that we exited in my third year at HubSpot. It's not even on my LinkedIn, but I started in the cannabis industry on the simple kind of process of, I had two friends up in Maine, in the legacy market up in Maine. One was a caregiver and one was a recruiter. When we were 25, finding people to work in the cannabis grow was super easy, right? You get a handful, you know, you get some cannabis, you get some, you know, you get a little bit of money, you had the time to do it. Then it's like, we got older, you turn 30, you turn 30 older, we're getting married, people having kids, like nobody is going to be able to work in those operations. So the other brother ended up, he was a recruiter and he was doing a lot of like temporary staffing. So they were up in Portland, Maine, and he would say, hey, look, like, I know this guy, Joe, I wonder if I could send Joe down to your grow, Brian, would he do some of the manual labor and some of those sorts of things that goes on with kind of operating a cultivation prop, you know, a cultivation system with inside of cannabis. Uh, and that's where that kind of entrepreneurial moment happened. The real key for us of like where we are now for me that I knew that there was something there was we posted a job for bud tender in Portland, Maine. And we posted on Friday and on Monday, I came back and like looked at my email. And I had 500 people that applied. 
So I knew that there was something that everybody's looking to kind of work inside of the cannabis industry, whether they knew what it was like, whether they had experience or they didn't have experience. So for me, like as a digital and a, you know entrepreneur, anytime I can get you know, 200, 300 people to give me their email in a day, I'm doing something right. Right. So I just have kind of stayed on that track since then, but that's kind of how I got into the, the, the initial parts of the business. What did you learn at HubSpot, do you think? Like, you know, you're over there for seven years. Obviously, you learned a bunch. Um, but what do you think helped you, like, in that corporate environment? I say HubSpot as if it's, like, you know, the epitome of corporate, although everything's, like, you know, kind of crazy over there. Um, but what do you think the biggest thing you learned was there that helped you now? Uh, processes. Uh, being able to develop a repeatable process is probably like one of the more core HubSpot elements that I've learned. Now, the the key to that is the epitome. When you talk about like we didn't we weren't calling ourselves a startup at HubSpot, right? Like when I started, Sequoia Funds had already invested in HubSpot, right? It's like not a startup, right? Like it's the big right. Um, but what? we were always trying to do was to figure out how could we have an account manager who manages five accounts, manage 25 accounts or manage 50 accounts. And for me, the only way for being able to do that without guaranteeing that you had an A player in every single one of those roles was having a repeatable process that you can do without even having to think. And you were able to get off of script or get off of the same sort of track that's when you can use some of your special powers or your rapport or your, your, your expertise or those sorts of things. But HubSpot, we were a machine as far as on the sales department and we were able to create repeatable processes, hire two or three people into each one of our segments per month, which is that's the biggest part when you're trying to hire a million people and everyone has a bunch of different processes and your top rep never comes into the office. How the heck am I supposed to teach this new rep? How the heck are we sell the software, right? Sort of thing. So having repeatable processes definitely was probably the most impactful thing I think I learned at HubSpot. And so you started Easy Hire in 2018, but it wasn't until, um, you know, last year, essentially, that you left HubSpot to take this you know, fully under your belt and, you know, run with it. But what was that aha moment for you that you're like, I think it's time to exit HubSpot and then, you know, let's, let's go balls to the walls with easy hire. Yeah. I, I love that one too. So I had, like I mentioned, we were running, I was running the company or, you know, a part of running the company while I was still working at HubSpot. Uh, I had recruited a, another partner to work with me uh, that worked at HubSpot. And, and one of the things that we kind of tried, we knew that wasn't a scalable model was recruiting, right? Recruiting is like, a, it's, it's similar to selling like real estate, right? Like if you don't sell the house, you don't get paid, right? So I had a full-time job and we weren't placing people, we weren't getting paid. So all the other people inside of the company, when we weren't placing people, I was still being like, I'm in my full-time job, I'm doing fine. Um, but our business isn't making money. So we knew that we needed to get to a more recurring revenue model. Uh, so we wanted to get a little bit more towards being a software versus a service. So what we did in 2021 was we actually patched together what we called as like our tech, our tech stack, which included HubSpot, included Zapier, included uh, Jazz HR, included Workable, included uh, SparkHire, uh, which is a video interview platform. We piece all of those softwares together and we created this kind of like technology that we were kind of working with businesses with. And we were able to work with Leafly. We worked with SpringBig. We worked with MedMen. We worked with some massive companies inside of the cannabis industry. But what we realized is we were like 
shit, we're just going to be like good spark hire partners, right? Like if we don't actually own this software, when somebody created a profile inside of our system, we didn't actually own that person, the data, right? It was living on some other platforms data and we didn't actually have the ability to own that data. So we knew that we needed to build a piece of software. So through the end of last year with the money that we made, we built our platform where now we have a proprietary piece of platform, a proprietary piece of software that includes video interviewing, uh, candidates swiping right and left with like a Tinder feature sort of thing, sourcing through people all over the country. Um, but that's where we see the potential growth of the business. And like, once I had the piece of software, I felt like now I can build this process similar to like how HubSpot had built this process around selling the software versus like this customized offering and this one, you know, we're going to find the needle in the haystack that like recruiters sell to where we're like, do you want to use it? Do you want to access the database? You don't want to access the database. Like it's very much easier for as far as cut and dry. So once I got the software, I had been there at seven years. It was the beginning of last year. And I thought to myself, like, this is as good a time as ever to jump and do it. Um, and yeah, there's times I definitely miss, miss HubSpot and miss kind of working there and missing it, working in that environment. Um, I use the analogy of like, when I worked at HubSpot, I was on a cruise ship, right? A big old cruise ship. And like, what's the worst going to happen on a cruise ship or working on a cruise ship? Like they're going to send you down to, 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 you know, clean the docks on the first floor. When you're running your own business, you're like on one of those like little zippers with like a dinghy, you got no radar, you got like the trident out, you're trying to fish, you're like, I hope the waves don't, you don't know what's coming ever, right, sort of thing. So like, just that instability and that anything can kind of happen excites me. Um, and at least for the last year, it's been, it's been really fun to do it. But yeah, that's, that's a little bit of the story of how I kind of got into to doing this full time. Hopefully that helps. And that's a good segue to, to sort of give us the the elevator pitch, right? What, so it, obviously we talked about, you know, some of the features that you've been building and some of the things you've been working on, but simply put, for those who don't know, what is easy hire? Jake, what did, do you know what Indeed is? Indeed. 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 Yes. yes. So we are the Indeed for weed. Um, so to give you the, you know, that's the elevator pitch of it to, to keep it as short as sweet, baby. Everybody, right. That's something everybody knows. It's like, oh, it's a deed. And, you know, it just, it's in weed. Perfect. It's for cannabis. Um, so the big one that we have as far as a differentiator, when you think about the differences between why, you know, when we're talking to investors or other, you know, higher ups that aren't working in the day-to-day inside of the cannabis industry, like why wouldn't we use Indeed instead, right? Indeed obviously has more candidates and applicants than you do. Our big differentiators are cannabis specific skills. So if somebody has extraction butane skills, right? Indeed's not highlighting those specific skills with inside of the cannabis industry. The second piece that is differentiate that helps us differentiate is our video platform. So the ability for a candidate and an applicant to say, look, I don't have any experience in the cannabis industry, but my mother had MS. She used cannabis throughout all of my childhood. I have a passion around doing it. I would do anything to work inside of the cannabis industry. Then I put that information and put that onto your resume. It's kind of like weird. It doesn't make a ton of sense. So what we're seeing is it allows somebody to be able to tell their story of why they should get that first opportunity to potentially work inside of the cannabis industry. Um, and those are kind of our two differentiators from now. Um, but yeah, I hope that helps. That's kind of like what we do. Yeah. And the, about the, I, I think people look at weed and I don't think it's like, you know, the, the, the industry of cannabis is so drastically different than it was. Right. Uh, everybody knows that, but 
The landscape now is something I still think people don't really understand, right? So give us a run through of, of what that market's like, you know, how many states are legal, you know, in your eyes, like how many dispensaries are out there and the cannabis related jobs to their, it, it's growing a bunch. Like you see companies like banks do a lot of that and, uh, you know, marketing really the, the industry's available jobs for a career in cannabis. So what, what's the landscape like uh, these days? As far as in the cannabis space, um, yes, there, there's this ideology and this thought process that's coming out, especially after the new year, uh, under this idea kind of of cannabis 2.0. Um, I tell the story about a cannabis company, a POS system. You probably don't have to look that far. I won't name them specifically, uh, but they raised $600 million, right? seems great, right? I think the biggest issue that they didn't necessarily figure out is how many actual businesses are actually a good or can actually buy a cannabis related POS system, right? And the answer to that is probably like three or 4,000. So you don't necessarily need to raise $600 million to sell into a $3,000, $4,000 prospect or 3,000 person or, you know, prospect uh, pool, right? So the idea of what we're seeing a lot of is there was a ton of money that came into cannabis early. And it was a lot of investors that were looking for that. I'm going to put a dollar in and I'm going to get a $10 bill out. And those people have kind of been exposed probably over the last 18 months to two years where they invested a lot of money into these businesses and they don't necessarily have proprietary pieces of software. They don't necessarily have anything that makes them any different than anything else in the other parts of the industry. So that's a little bit of like what I almost call like the recession of like, this isn't like a, you know, it's almost like the gold rush or like some sort of Bitcoin sort of like, I'm going to put a dollar in and get $10 out. So a lot of what we're seeing is like that actual backlash towards that and the ability for, let's be real, this is an agriculture product, right? This is somebody who actually puts something in the ground, takes something out of the ground, and it's not being looked at and, and run that way. And it needs to move closer towards that where there's regulations, there's compliance, and it's not this like, I'm going to put a dollar and get $10 out sort of industry. So that's where I think cannabis is going forward and looking where it's like, I talked to somebody this morning and they were like, well, you know, we didn't raise money last year. We tried to, we didn't, weren't able to do it. And if what we did, we raised money. I would have five mm -hmm. to 10 sales reps on my team that would talk to me about their kids and their mortgage and all the stuff that we didn't hit the money, the, the numbers that we wanted to be able to hit. So that's kind of where I see it's go It's not to see where it's going, where it is right now. I think there's a lot of opportunity for those. I don't want to say like more conservative growth expectations but that's where i see like the the cannabis industry right now is it's kind of in a little bit of a reset similar to tech i mean tech's in the same spot right i saw i think google laid off twelve thousand people today which is everyone is calling probably like the end of the you know that's a big sign for somebody like that, that used to work in tech but yeah the same sort of stuff i think is happening in, in cannabis as well so i guess you know between the expansion and legalization of cannabis uh, dispensaries popping up everywhere, obviously Rhode Island being a big factor too. How many jobs would you say are in this market, in this cannabis industry? Like ballpark, obviously we don't know. You might know a, a more closer number, but what do you what do you see that number is? There was, uh, I think last year, Leafly had a report where it was close to a quarter million, so 250,000 jobs across the country. Uh, in Massachusetts, specifically last year, 9,000 jobs were added in the cannabis industry. Um, as far as Rhode Island goes specifically, we're actually starting to work with uh, a, a, a 
community college here in Rhode Island to put together some workforce development, stuff like that. The reality of it is that there's five or, or there's six dispensaries in Rhode Island. Um, but I think that there's going to be more. And I think that we would probably expect in the five digit range, as far as jobs go. And then those are going to come online pretty quickly is our expectation of some of that stuff. So yeah, there should be, you know, at least, uh, you know, five figures worth of jobs from Rhode Island. So yeah. It's crazy. I mean, obviously you, you discovered a need and it's, it's not slowing down anytime soon. So I guess from your perspective as a, you know, a, more on the business side of it, what's like the biggest roadblock or challenge for you and what would like, what, what, makes you lose sleep at night regarding easy hire oh so yeah that's really good so the big one for us um is so we have our profile process right where we have an, a candidate or an applicant um complete a profile our biggest issue at easy hire is gaining the trust of an applicant or somebody who's looking to get hired from a job to complete their full profile, to give us their phone number, to do their video interview, to tell us that city that they're located, right? Um, we struggle with a lot of the same problems someone like Indeed does, right? Somebody goes on the site, they press apply, and then they think like the job interview is going to start to show up. That's just not how it works, right? So for us, it's like getting people to complete and give us more information, I think for the cannabis industry, it's banking. It's pretty see, it's pretty clear, like safe banking. If anybody looks at that, like a can, like cannabis businesses can't deduct taxes like any other business. So any other expenses that they do. So a lot of these people running lifestyle businesses, trying to you know write things off like their car or their cell phone, you can't do that in cannabis, right? So when you think of like the first year, two years of businesses, right? Like most businesses are taking a loss. And the deeper that you have to pay extra on top of the taxes with that, that's what's really burying a lot of the, those people. So for me, it's like having reasonable, just reasonable banking um, is probably the biggest piece. The other one and the last one I'll say is maybe there's the saturation. Um, I tell this story of like 10 years ago, everyone I knew that was, or 15 years ago, everyone I knew that was like, Created grown cannabis, moved to California. They grew as much cannabis as they could in, in NorCal. They sent it to everyone they knew across the country. They literally grew as much as they could. They literally sent as much as they could. And now it's like, there's a supply and demand process. There's the stores, right? There's this, you know, there's that whole thing that, that like they haven't figured out, right? So we talked to, you know, dispensaries that have half a million dollars of cannabis in the safe, right? Like that's not, that's, that, that's our biggest, that's what we come up against and see the most as far as trouble goes is like, running some traditional, you know, processes and also too, like, you can't just get rid of all this stuff. So yeah, that that's, those, there's plenty of, plenty of, plenty of issues in the cannabis industry. The one that we think is very important is that these businesses are opening up one way or the other, right? If they're getting federal legalization, Rhode Island's going to have more licenses online. New York's about to come online. Like despite this economic climate that we're in, these businesses are going to open up. So that's what we kind of hang our hat on and hope for. So the industry for a long time has had a pretty recognizable stigma to it. And, you know, I think it's probably improved these past, I don't know, five, six years or whatnot with dispensaries opening in Massachusetts and, you know, Rhode Island legalizing in most states, you know, it feels like we're, we're trending towards, there will probably be someday where cannabis will be generally available and protected by federal law. But in your eyes, like, where do we need to go 
to further destigmatize, right? Like, are there still stigmas around some of the work that you're doing? Uh, I'm sure that answer is yes. But what does that look like now? Because, you know, back in the day, it was like, you know, you knew what a stoner, quote unquote, looked like, right? And you knew that they generally probably weren't like, you know, contributing much to society, right? That's obviously just so, so different now. But where, in your eyes, like, are we at with that stigma? Yeah, I mean, great, great question. I mean, my mother was a huge has a. I mean, what do you think my mother? You know, my family was like, oh, I'm gonna leave my, you know, top, president's club rep, sales manager job at HubSpot to go run this cannabis hiring platform. Right? They weren't like, this is the greatest idea ever. Um, this is gonna sound a little weird, I think, with some degree. Some of it's just an age thing, right? Like if you look at the numbers of people under 40 or even under 50 and how they kind of rate to based on what, what, you know, how cannabis is looked at and represented. And then you look at under 30, it's even like even more drastically different. So a lot of that, I think, is the stigmatization that was done through the war on drugs, through DARE, through all those sorts of things where somebody who's never, ever, ever used cannabis ever, right, and kind of put this idea of what it could potentially be and what it potentially is and, without being able to kind of actually experience that and now seeing more traditional kind of ways of being able to consider or more traditional ways comparable to like alcohol. That's where I think a lot of people are starting to kind of be able to open. Hey, it's like a, there's a recreational piece, the real one, I think that makes the biggest difference. And I talked to this actually a, a West Virginia a lawmaker a couple months ago about this. And he talked about medical, right? Like he was like, medical makes a ton of, ton of sense to me, but there's nothing I will ever do to ever approve this as a recreational drug. So you ask, what are the first stigma ways of the stigma kind of being moved along? I think of being in like conferences where I would have some woman again, who was at, had an MS and she would take 300 milligrams of cannabis a day and it like helped her live her life more and more people that are going to be seeing the plant used in that way will allow the stigmatization to at least the, the stigmatize the stigmatizing of what it is and how to use it it's like hey if this cancer patient's using it to kill their pain maybe i can use this to kill the pain of my back maybe my bum ankle won't hurt as much right sort of thing so it's getting it out of that like idea of what people assume like drinking is like looking at it as a medical product and saying like this can't, no one's, no one's prescribing me whiskey because my back is sore, right? So the idea of like trying to figure out the middle ground with that, I think that's the first part of it is not looking at it as a controlled substance, looking at it as a medical resource. And then once you get to that point, the idea of looking at it as a recreational piece becomes a little bit more digestible for somebody. But it's not going anywhere, Jake, or it hasn't been in a while. Federal legalization, I know a lot of people are you know, really discouraged around that. My expectation is that sometime in the next three to five years, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I don't think it's going to happen next year, but I would, my expectation would be in three to five years, we would see cannabis at gas stations like you do, uh, you know, a six pack of beer. So. 100% absolutely. And, you know, heading back to the easy hire, um, you know, what is the growth like? What does 2023 look like? We saw some key partnerships last year with uh, Minority Cannabis Academy and then Mass Cultivative, as well as the acquisition of Inhale Digest. But, you know, what does the next six months to a year look like the next five years, you know, tell us a little bit more about the long term of easy hire. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you asking that. So and, um, uh... We're very proud of our partnerships that we have with um, Mass Cultivated, uh, Minority Cannabis Association, Cleveland School of Cannabis, 
the reason we have moved towards that piece is also understanding this like kind of workforce development, right? Like many of the people that come to our platform, we do not get an interview the first week or two weeks that they show up. So we want to be able to help level them up. Uh, so a lot of the work that we're doing right now is partnering with colleges and partnering with other educational resources. Uh, one of the things we're working on actually launching in the next couple of weeks is the first and only cannabis uh, directory for education. So the cannabis education directory, if you go look and, hey, I want to go take a course and, you know, what's the difference between the course at URI and the course at, or the, you know, uh, on-demand webinar called THC University, right? We want to help be able to identify the differences with that. Um, so that's kind of some of the stuff we're working on right now. We're in uh, seven different states. Uh, expectation will be in 10 different states by the end of or by the end of this year. Um, but we're growing slowly. We're growing. I don't want to say cautiously, but we really love the idea of having responsible growth versus like 10 time max. I'm not Grant Cardone. I want to be like Steve Case from like AOL versus like 10x sort of thing. I just want to kind of grow a cool business. And um, yeah, so that's that's what our plans look like. Uh, Inhale Digest is awesome. We actually were able to there are newsletter kind of wing and a media kind of partner that we're using. Um, so we have a weekly newsletter of 80,000 subscribers. Um, and yeah, we got a bunch of cool stuff going on. So yeah, keep in touch with us. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. Um, Jacob, how do people get involved? Um, if someone's looking for a job in cannabis right now, what should they do? Where can they go? And, um, any other place that listeners can follow along with? Yeah, go, go check us out. It's easyhirecannabis.com. Um, it's E-Z-H-I-R-E. So I know we're in cannabis, so you could like hire it, you know, but uh, E-Z-H-I-R-E, cannabis.com. Uh, and backslash join, uh, that's really the core of it. Um, we're actually putting on an event in Rhode Island, uh, March 25th, uh, kind of a celebration of cannabis down uh, in Rhode Island. We'll kind of keep you guys in the loop with that. Uh, but check us out online. We're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Um, and then I'm Jacob at easyhirecannabis.com. If anybody has any questions, I'm always happy to chat. We got a couple of team members down in the Rhode Island area as well um, who work on CIC. So we're popping around all the time if anybody wants to come in and say hello. And closing thoughts. One piece of advice as an entrepreneur that you want to you know, pass along to a fellow entrepreneur. Keep, uh, what is one piece of advice? I think putting on the blinders. Uh, you asked me like some of the stuff I learned at HubSpot. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story about that. So my, v my first VP of sales came over to me, whispered in my ear and asked me why I wanted to be everyone's best friend. And I told him, oh, I didn't want to be everyone's best friend. And then I came back the next day at work and I was like, well, what do you mean? Right. He's like, you're so worried about like what other people are doing around you. If you just put your blinders on and just did you, Jacob, and stop worrying about being nice to this person, caring about what other people did. And you just put your blinders on and did your own thing. He goes, you can be the best rep at HubSpot ever. I wasn't the best rep at HubSpot ever, but like, that's the best piece of advice that I have for people is like, stop comparing yourself to the other seat, the other company that's out there and just publish it. Just press play. Everyone's going to make fun of you anyways. Don't, it doesn't matter. Like who cares? Right. And then eventually you start the consistency piece. So that's, that's my biggest thing is put on your blinders and don't care about what other people are doing and just keep pushing play to publish your stuff. Hell yeah.
great piece of advice and great conversation as a whole. So Jacob, we appreciate it. We'll be supporting you. We'll be posting your stuff and uh, we're looking forward to seeing what easy hire cannabis has for the uh, near future, but thank you for the time. Thank you guys for having me. Will always a pleasure. Jake, great to meet you. And uh, thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing this. And that was just Jacob Carlson of easy hire cannabis. And uh, you know, it was cool hearing him talk about it at venture cafe a couple weeks ago. And I mean, again, with the cannabis industry ever so growing and Rhode Island legalizing, I mean, I, obviously like bias aside because we just interviewed him and he, and he became a, you know, a great contact for us. I think that's like an, that's a home run business idea. Yeah. And I'm curious to see like, because this is popping up too. like one of my favorite LinkedIn follows is Carson Humiston uh, from Vangst and she's like trailblazing a lot of shit too. So I think the answer there as far as like, hey, is there competition here? I, I think it's one of those that like, as they grow, everybody's going to grow. And the same goes for for Jacob and Easy Hire um, for cannabis, right? It's the more sort of these that can coexist, the better. Because then there's more, weed. it just makes weed normal, right? Which I'm, I'm not the purveyor of all truth, but fuck, it should be. Again, like it's 2023. I should be able to like, there shouldn't be any stigma, stigma, I can't, wow. Stigma, <laughs> stigma. stigma. <laughs> there shouldn't be any bias or, you know, disdain over cannabis. And was, I like that word, disdain. And yes. there should be, you know, no bad will and bad looks on sports gambling. And for some reason, those are the two biggest polarizing topics that Rhode Island actually is ahead of the curve. So shout out Rhode Island, but... Definitely not with the sports book, as you well, mentioned. I mean, not with the sports book, but at least they've had it. It's the most Rhode Island thing, though. And that's like what I'm worried is going to happen with weed here. It's going to be like, and not that I like really care too much because I don't really use either of those areas. But like, you know, the, the sports book got a text from, um, you know, it, a former Rhode Islander that will remain anonymous um, that when we, when you posted that tweet of like the Rhode Island sports book and stuff being the worst app, I think ever on the app store, this might it, like a 10 year old could have done a better job. Um, the text I got was like, you know, Rhode Island legalizing sports betting to only to have a state run app that they refuse to invest in is the most Rhode Island thing ever. And now are they going to say, all right, well, we're going to uh, we're going to legalize weed, but it's going to be in state-run dispensaries. Only two are going to be open. And it's going to be like the fucking DMV. That's what I'm worried about. Like you see what happens at Slater Medical Center across from the post office off the highway. The lines are out the door well, every single time. And maybe I'm hoping it's because it's like, all right, that's the only medical dispensary in this uh, in this area you know, it's supply and demand, right? Like it's, there's a lot of demand at only one center. I, I don't know, but. I mean, there's six, there's six right now and there's going to be more opening up in the near future. I, I will give the cannabis a six to eight, six to eight month grace period of like shit needs to get together because again, Rhode Island now just legalizing it. It's great for the state. It's good. It's going to be a great tax benefit. 
I mean, you were losing out on customers who literally were driving 10 minutes across the border to purchase marijuana in Massachusetts. There was, there should have been no reason for that because it's like you decriminalized it in the state. So why are you allowing all that money to leave the state just to come back? And that's what's going to happen with the sports book now. And again, I hate that I had to tweet that my I'm like, you know, not happy about the Rhode Island sports book because I would love to be a partner with them. I would love House to, you know, set up shop and be a, you know, Rhode Island sports book content creator, but I do not support this app right now. I don't support how could I, you? How could you? It's like I am literally in the heart of Providence, and you're telling me you were not in the state. You were not in the state. You were not in the state. So I cannot even access a book when I can drive 20 minutes south and be in Connecticut and use FanDuel, DraftKings. By next use month, MGM there too now. Bad yeah. MGM. By next month, I will be able to go drive 20 minutes north and hit up Barstool, DraftKings. Point like Dude, not even you could go five minutes east to Seekonk. Five minutes. Five minutes. So it's like now you're gonna have all of these people who have given you four to five years of this isn't working, this isn't good, make better options, make better lines, all of this stuff. And the app has not changed, the interface has not changed. And now it's like, okay, instead of being on my couch, I'm just gonna drive the five minutes. You lost you lost a customer. You lost a customer, and that sucks. It really does suck because for as not great, and yeah, it's still a pain in the ass in its regulations, right? It's a pain to have to 2FA every time you want to log into one of these things. But I if mean, that's the way it's going to be, like my experience with FanDuel when I'm in Connecticut is still, I would say, ten at least 10 times better than it is in this, in this godforsaken state. Listen, two-way authentication is not a brand new software like it should not take five seconds five minutes to load and like again the whole location stuff i mean really that's bad it makes me not want to use it that's so because it's like i don't want to have to log out 10 times to use an app when i'm literally when i literally cross the border to connecticut my draft king and fan duels are like hey welcome back Yep. When I'm in when I'm in Jersey, Barstool Sportsbook is clicking open, being like, here are the plays, here are the odds. Come do this. I never get a notification from the Rhode Island Sportsbook. Yeah, it it sucks. It really does. It's and a shame. It's... And there's and there's no support. There's no like there's no one you can even call. Like I've I've had bets like n- not cash when they're supposed to, and you call the guy, he's like, I don't know. Log out, log I back in. Remember the famous quote? It was, "I'm going to escalate this to my escalation manager." Yeah, I, I called that one time. I'm like, "What the fuck did fuck you just yeah, tell me, dude?" Like, and I again, I mean, I don't expect people to drop and be like, "All right, we're going to fix your five dollar yeah. bet." Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's important. I'm just saying, like, can I get like, are you people going to fix this shit eventually or not? Yeah, you know? it's like I would so like to use your book because you're not letting me deposit money because you're saying I'm not in the state. So I would like my bet that hit to at least put it back in so I can play. So I can play right. this. And game. yeah, it was fucking five dollars. Like yeah. I understand, you, but, it's, but it's my money. I want it's it back. So infuriating because it's like they had the opportunity to like, you know, they they're going to lose so much market share. Yeah, it it sucks. I and would love to see the number. Frankly, they deserve it. They do. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. I'm right with you. It would have been great if we could have figured out like, you know, 
a couple of years ago when we started this stuff, like if we figured out, hey, this would be really cool to to work together and do it. At, hey, we could have done books and all this or like like partnerships of like here are our plays. But there we, we are hey, two and a half years emails, later. Emails were sent, tweets were sent, LinkedIn yeah, oh, messages yeah, we were sent. Out of a bunch. And there was there was nothing. It was never a hey, we'll think about it and stuff like that. There was no one in the state promoting the sports book. We were the only peoples in the state promoting the sports book. Yeah. And I remember vividly, you know, I, I sent an email, you sent an email. They we sent them to the third party marketing people they're working with. And it it was always just it's the same shit as their app. And it makes me think that they don't really care, you know? Again, maybe they, it, don't. maybe they don't. And it, I guess it's different for like a, a FanDuel and a, and a DraftKings who are literally an online sports book. And like they've grown over the years. And Barstool is a little bit different because it's like they have their own, you know, marketing agency behind the content people. And then they have pen casinos across the board. Like, this is literally a casino running a sports book. But you would think, though, you would think now that Bali's owns Twin River. Yeah, they would have come in and clean this shit up. Because, like, Bali has done a great job on the media side of things. Yeah, that, I, and that's probably where their priorities are. It's like we can we can get bigger market share of existing stuff. Like, they own all the uh, the former regional Fox networks when – you know, you'd watch some random NBA or hockey game and it would be on FS, uh, like Fox Sports Southwest or whatever, or Southeast in Florida. And now it's all, now it's all Valley sports, which it makes sense. That's probably where the more money is like, but <clears throat> God almighty, it, but too long, don't read version is the app has not changed from when it was released okay. years ago. And that sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I had this app in college. Yeah, we're about to be four years out. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's really bad. Has not changed. And, but there's help coming. Barstool Sportsbook's coming into Massachusetts. DraftKings will be here. I think is FanDuel coming too? I think FanDuel. I think uh, um, might be the MGM. I would assume MGM. Right. Cool Caesar Sportsbook went out here too. Caesars. But- Let's see who's going to be. Because they, they have a few licenses at least. And I think Barstool is going to be pretty heavily adapted up here. Yeah. I mean, they also have a, they, Penn has a, um, a casino. Where up here? Mm-hmm. Huh. The, um, the Bridge they own. Okay. So WinBet is the Encore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. MGM Springfield. Oh, and then, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. They're and putting then, one of there. And then Plain Ridge. Is, I didn't uh, know that was a. That's a pen property. That's a they. That's cool because they have a racetrack there. They've got at least like a race a week in the summer. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So that's good stuff. That's good stuff. I wonder if Barstool puts a book in there, but it's like yeah, they will. You think they will? I bet. Hundred percent. I guess it's near Foxborough and they'll make money off of that regardless. Like yeah. it's kind of like urban Massachusetts, but it's, it's what a, it's a 30 minute drive from here. 30 minutes from Boston. That's, that's a good location. We'll have to go for a, a March madness game. Check it out. Yeah. If they're, if they're like open and operational. Yeah. I, I assume by then. I don't, the only thing is like, I don't know about the books. The apps will definitely be 
there, but I feel like, you know, they've still got to like build stuff in there. And it's you saw what they did in Barstool, uh, the Pennsylvania casinos too. I mean, they had that, those are like full blown restaurants in there too. Yeah. I mean, casinos move quick. Casinos move quick. Amazing what happens when you have like just billions of dollars. Yeah. Okay. What fix this roadblock? Here's a few billion dollars to do it. Yeah. I don't know. That'll be, it'll be good to have gambling in Massachusetts though. That's TLDR. Rhode Island sportsbook is awful. Uh, Massachusetts help is coming. Um, and please, if there are UX designers at the Rhode sports book listening to this, fix it, fix do it, something, fix it, please fix it. God damn it. Just fix the, fix the location authentication. And then we're good that we'll figure out the rest. We'll do it together. Here's our olive branch. That's it. We will welcome you back with open arms. Oh, goodness. Um, into football. Eagles are playing the 49ers. Sorry about the Giants. Uh, that was that was bad. That was not happy. good. We were just happy to be here. We're we're, we're building. And hey, it's a good first step. That no. I thought they would at least be a little bit more competitive. But like you, you caught an, you caught the Eagles on a night where they no one was beating them. Yeah, the Eagles are a very good team. I mean, it's uh it's definitely coming right now though in a, a unstoppable force and an unmovable object with the 49ers. So. I have no idea who's the favorite for that. For uh, Eagles is their home team yeah. by yes. like our single digit, right? It it must be. Let's let's see what the line is. It is two and a half, which is very yeah. Rat lines this week. I think well, not rat lines because they're not they're not like way too inflated, but this. The Bengals are minus one over the Chiefs, which either A, Vegas just admitted that they have been disrespecting Joe Burrow the entire year, or B, they are massively concerned about Mahomes. I I guess the ankle. I mean, that's one thing, though. Mahomes has weak ankles. (laughs) I feel like he's had ankle injuries like the past couple years. I mean, he always comes back and plays with them, but that guy rolls his ankle frequently yeah yeah i mean i i i say gun to my head it's 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 Bengals 49ers wow i think america would probably disagree with you i think america has america has the opposite right america would say philadelphia and, and the chiefs which yeah i sort of Oh, I am grappling with this so hard because I make it very clear. I want the chiefs to lose this game. Like I want to see Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl and hopefully win one. But I don't know. I, there's something about the chiefs that even though like Mahomes was out and stuff, their offense was still working fine. Um, I would love to know, first of all, the drugs that are required that, is going to make Mahomes playing happen this weekend. Like that they're he's going to get a lot of ejections this week, man. That guy's getting codeine up. Oh my. <laughs> I wasn't thinking codeine, but <laughs> he's not feeling he's not feeling a thing in those in the feet. No. It's it's going to be a lot of drugs, that's for sure. But um 
If the Bengals win, though, we we should definitely try to go to the parade. <laughs> that would be fucking sick. That would be unreal. Like, hey, let's. <laughs> we've already we been get... in one. We've already been in one parade. Going in another one. Yeah, the that we got to check off. We that... would only have to check off after that because we've ended the FC Cincinnati parade. Uh, we would need to check off the Reds opening day parade. Which, uh, which again, that's a wild time for a shit team. People, the well, Reds love opening day. Said it was a wild time. They're yeah. like, it's gonna fucking suck this year. So I know I felt bad because last year, like the Reds were on like an 0 and 11 start, and their owner was just like, What do you want? Like, you're lucky we even have baseball. Yeah, that was BS. Like, dude, He's like, what, what do you people want from me? Fuck you, dude. Do they want give to Joey, give Joey Votto better? Yeah, give Joey Votto like the respect he deserves. Yeah, put him in the broadcast booth, in my opinion. I mean, his time is coming but he might like is there a world where i don't want to talk about joey Votto for this entire podcast but like is there a world where they'll just trade him and like hey go on a go on a fucking championship dude Trey mancini got traded yeah and that's like different well, that's that's that drastically different in my opinion because mancini still has like his whole career he's on the cubs now right and he's yeah. gonna have productive years there yeah i mean it's the same but it's different because obviously he's younger um but the I'm saying in more of like the heart of your team. Yeah, and Votto, make no mistake, like they're probably not going to put a plaque of Trey Mancini at Camden Yards. They will certainly, they might retire 19 in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, how, they should. What, what would you What would you say uh, is the equivalent for Votto? I'm trying to think. Uh, hmm. Like uh, in years past, like someone like Votto, or like who would. What would be an instance now? I don't know, like a Ryan Howard in Philadelphia? Yeah. But the Phillies were good. The Reds had some really good years, too. Uh, not nearly as good, but they had they had some good years. I don't even know. Like, did the Reds get to the AL or the NLCS ever? Something wow. tells me no. Wow. Hmm. They haven't won the World Series since 1990, and I know that from MJF in his famous clip of ma, 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 mid. Yeah, maybe if like the Dodgers were trash and they let Clayton Kershaw like go trade one out, like trade him out to go win something. I think to your point, that's probably he's just won so much shit there. So I think that that's closer to anything yeah, else. I, guess, I mean, he's the heart of the team, but. We'll try to get to an opening day at the Reds when they have a competitive team one day. Um, Bengals parade. Yeah, Bengals parade. They got to beat the Chiefs first, which again, the the Cincinnati Bengals back-to-back years catching them at the right time. Catching them at the right time. Yeah, this is when if you're Cincinnati, you want to play. You want to play Kansas City. Yeah, you want to play Kansas City to prove it, and then like you're not losing back-to-back Super Bowls. I will say I'm uncomfortable with the amount of shit that Eli Apple's talking right now. Dude, the guy is a cancer. The guy is – I still don't understand. Like, he's not a good cornerback, and, like, he's starting for an AFC championship game yet again. The guy is burnt toast. Yeah, he's put together, like, a few decent plays, but he's still getting cooked. Like, he is just – oh, 
And the fact that he uh, keeps talking his mouth and did the Demar heart sign was just like I don't think he here's my take he did not mean that 100% because the quote had like the number three in it it was like Cancun Cancun on three it was what they it's like a meme I don't think that was I understand the optics are very bad yeah that is come on that is would you put it past Eli Apple to physically say like yo I'm gonna fuck with them and like and 100% 100% it's something he would do prop I can't say no I don't know Eli but I bet you he would do it. One hundred percent. That was on purpose. He's the he is the guy that every team I guess needs. It's the guy wearing the black hat. You need the one asshole. You need the yeah. one asshole in the team. He talks a lot of shit, but he doesn't really back it up. <laughs> doesn't really back. He got cut from the Giants, cut from the Saints, yeah. cut from the Panthers. He does not back it up. He is not. He is not him. He is not him. He had 49 tackles this year. Oh, dude, you're a cornerback. What's 49 divided by 17? Sorry, 63. 63 tackles. What's that divided by 17? Or is that including playoffs or no? Um, yeah, it is. So okay, 63 so... divided by, what is that, 19? 19. <laughs> it's like three tackles a game. Three <laughs> tackles as a cornerback? He had zero against the Patriots. Trash. What's the most tackles he's had in the game? Uh, looks like seven against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's pretty good. How many interceptions in this season? Um, you want to guess? One. Lower. <laughs> How many pass deflections? Uh... Google does not give me that info. Let's see if ESPN does. Uh, why is it only giving me his away pass deflections? Oh, it's giving me his total now. His career is 51. He had nine this year, including the postseason. I feel like that's bad. I don't know cornerback stats, though. I mean, I'd love to see. He's out there cornerback one, right? No, uh, they have Jesse Bates, who uh, I think he's technically a safety, but Von Bell's on that team still. Um, Awuzie is still on that team. Our guy, our guy Awuzie. Yeah, it was fucking sick in Madden. Um, I their secondary, like, it's kind of weird because I think Jesse Bates, like, I think the sentiment is that he's gonna leave and get paid somewhere else. He's fucking twenty five. Yeah. They tagged him. What, this past year? Right. I think they tagged him now. Yeah, you're probably right. Because what they get one franchise tag every uh every team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. But he's gonna get fucking paid somewhere. Yeah. I think the Patriots should go get him. Patriots have a lot to do. They just got their offensive coordinator. I'm very happy about that. Mac Jones taught Bill O'Brien the Alabama offensive playbook. People forget. Mac Jones wasn't teaching shit. That was <laughs> he helped him learn it. He Tua helped and Tua and Jalen and all the reports were that they helped Bill O'Brien or that he helped Bill O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the offensive playbook. Oh, he... the Pats will trade for DeAndre Hopkins and they'll. Don't they up... fuck. Yeah, they're not gonna do that. 
Yes, they will. Myers is walking. And he should. I'd want to stay away from this team of the night, like as, as far away as I can. After but now Phil O'Brien's in the building. I get it. Whatever. Um, Steve Belichick is not on the coaching staff in this East-West Shrine Bowl, though. Uh, he is having a kid. So that's where he's rumored to be, but he is off the staff for this. I don't even know what this is. This East-West Shrine Bowl. Um, it's the best senior co- oh it's the it's like the all americans for uh football like college football and then pat's staff is on it i don't know how that works yeah it's very weird set up is it uh, at gillette no it's in like arizona or some shit why are the pats i don't really get it i'm not sure why they're scheduled to coach the West team, I guess. I guess. Maybe they alternate? Belichick's coaching it, so. Odd. But, but after our, after Brown's our quarterback, calling the shots, which is weird. After our quarterbacks episode, we'll have a, a Giants and Patriots wish list episode. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, I don't know. Right now, I think the Eagles are going to win. I think they're going to beat the 49ers. Um, I think Hertz took a lot of shit personally. I thought a lot of people were sort of out, not out on him, but like, eh, what have you done for me lately kind of deal. Um, and I think the Eagles are going to win. I'm going to say right now, Eagles, Bengals. But I may revise that to the Chiefs. I want the Bengals to win. I just don't know. I, I need more info on Mahomes. But right now for me, it's it's the Bengals. Yeah, I, I'm I'm saying Bengals, and I'm gonna say I'm still gonna stick with the 49ers. Not, but I do not think it's a blowout game. I think this is like a win by a Robbie Gold field goal. Brock Purdy had a nice, solid performance, but little upset. Yeah, you, you t- if you tell me the 49ers are gonna be in the, the they'll be in the Super Bowl, I will not be surprised whatsoever. Yeah. And that'll be cool for Brock Purdy if he does. I'm a big Brock Purdy stan. I think he is a fantastic story. Mr. He's got a lot of weapons, too. I think he has probably, besides the Chiefs, the best offensive weapons in the playoffs right now. I think the 49ers, pure athletic weapons there. I mean, you have McCaffrey, Debo, and Kittle. And Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, right. And Ayuk's been really good. Elijah this Mitchell. Yes, they have a deep running back room. That's, I mean, you added McCaffrey as RB one. That's yeah. fucking incredible. He's RB one wide receiver three. Uh, yeah, that's what's. It's just so like you see how good McCaffrey really is when he's healthy and like around. All the pressure is not on him, right? He wasn't Trent. the one guy that had to make every catch. Now it's like, oh shit, McCaffrey's open. Great. Trent Brown, one of the best left tackles in the league. Yeah. You know, they have a I would I'd probably say the 49ers won. The would be a better offense. I I would probably doubt the Chiefs offense here because they're just no. so good. You throw whoever in there and they're just excellent. Yeah, I think I think I would probably tie Chiefs Bengals because I mean like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, 
No, no, I'd give it to the I give it to the Chiefs, I guess. Uh, right. I just think like you're never gonna convince me that the, the Chiefs don't have the better offense. Um, even like Clyde Edwards Elaire is not even that like good. He's and like, McKinnon's Mc, I, I actually like McKinnon. you throw McKinnon into the system and he just works. It's it's incredible. McKinnon but then you have ball. like you just throw whoever in there. Juju just worked. Like a lot of people said, Oh, Tyreek's gone. This is not good. They haven't skipped a beat. They look better without Tyreek. It's unbelievable. And Juju's not Tyreek. No way. Yeah. I don't know. I think the Chiefs have a, a, just a better – it's a system that works. They have really good talent, too. That helps as well. What are the games? Are the games one Saturday, one Sunday? Are they both – Oh, they're both Sunday. I think it's a 3 Sunday. and 6.30 again. Yeah, it's – it's uh, NFC goes first at 3, and then the AFC championship is at 6.30 on Sunday night. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know where to go on these over-unders, too. Eagles 49ers is 46 and a half. Bengals Chiefs is 47 and a half. That, the, either of those could go either way. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the over in Bengals Chiefs. And I would take an under in the NFC Championship. Under. These are just two excellent defenses. Hmm. I think the Eagles had, what, 70 sacks or something stupid this year? It's hard for me to bet on like a defense that's that good. Are they going to spook a young kid? Right. So I don't know. Gun in my head, it's Eagles and under. I may actually go and parlay those now on the. On the on, what book. No, just <laughs> wait till. When are we? Uh, how far is Massachusetts from Moonsocket? Oh no! I mean, it's not. It's not even available yet. No, it's not. That's the thing. You'd have to drive out to Foster, uh, Rhode yeah. Island, to go, to go to Killingly, Connecticut, maybe. Davos close. Yeah, Davos like forty minutes. No, maybe a little less. 35, 30? Yeah. You, all you do is take Route Six out, basically. Right. Yeah, it's a pretty drive. It is nice out there. So, so that's the trade-off. You know, you get you go to a place that you're in Connecticut, but you're, you know, fucking service. Ah. Yeah, I, I go Eagles under, Bengals over, and those I think those are my my picks this week. Yeah, I'm gonna go money line demons for both, and I I probably agree with uh, both the over and under on those. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll close it out with some baseball. Uh, Scott Rowland's in the Hall of Fame. This was a hot topic for us. Uh, he was most certainly on my ballot. Um, I don't, I think this is for another day too. the whole steroid debate. Like should guys that admittedly or presumably took steroids be in the hall of fame? I think my answer is yes. Um, tells the story, but but I, what I hate about baseball is these guys try for 10 years and Scott Rowland was on the ballot for many years before this. And finally the writers are like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, he finally deserves it after this time. Like he's paid his dues. Like what the fuck? It, it's just so dumb how this voting works in my uh, opinion. And I'm pissed for Todd Helton who did not get it. He just missed it. Just missed it again. And there was like, I don't understand that. Like there was like a ballot that had him last year and then not this year. Like that makes no yeah, sense. What, what makes him less worthy? <laughs> it's so dumb. 
So going back to the blog that me, you, and uh, Hanold wrote, you had Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, and Manny. I had... forgot I had Manny. Beltron, Mark Burrell, Helton, Pettit, Manny, A-Rod, and uh, Billy Wagner. Yeah, Mark Burley was an interesting one. I think he's like, I mean, you know, he he pitched at the level. You know, a no-no, perfect game in his career, World Series champ, 1,800 strikeouts, five all-stars, uh, won 13 games in 12 of his 15 seasons. You called him a, you called him a certified winner. Certified winner. I did not have Helton on that, so I guess my apologies. I mean, no, I did have Todd Helton. Who had I not? I did not have uh, Scott Rowland, so apologies. Wow. You didn't have the one guy that did get in. Yeah. I thought he was just an awesome third baseman. He was a good dude, too. Like, he just played the game the right way. He was by basically the captain on a team that had poo holes, too. Yeah. Um, But going to this year, which is, I mean, the who's eligible next year. Throw Adrian Beltre in there, first ballot. Yeah, that's, I think, my, my lock. I think that's my lock. Uh, what did I tweet? I tweeted... Bad radio, but Twitter is just so slow lately. <laughs> so Beltre is a no-brainer lock. Joe Maurer and Chase Utley are leaning towards a yes, but not a certain. And then Bartolo Colon and David Wright should get some votes. Yeah, and then you have, you know, Bautista, no. Adrian Gonzalez, maybe. Joey Bats might be an interesting one. Yeah. Matt Holiday, eh. Victor Martinez, Brandon Phillips. Um Jose Reyes. No. I can't believe Matt Holliday's gonna be eligible next year because I feel like we just talked about like him on the Yankees. I know. He had vertigo. <laughs> and we say like, he was a he was a stud Yankee in 20. Uh... No, you know what it was? So that was the time Clint Frazier had vertigo, but he had some crazy fucking allergic reaction. Yeah. Remember that? He had, well, I don't know if it was like a, not to be like taboo, but a vaccine. I think they, they had discussed it. This is pre COVID everyone hold your fucking horses, Spotify. Um, he had that reaction that he just never fully recovered from. It made him like sick. And he was a stud for the Aggies. Was that 2017 or 19? It had to be 17. I guess it was 2019. No, it had to be seventeen, eighteen. Well, because in theory, it could have been, it could have been nineteen. No, because he wouldn't Let's be. Let's see. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, yeah, it was seventeen. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, he was good. Seven-time All Star. He won a ring. He won an LCS MVP. Won the Silver Slugger four times. Was a batting champion and RBI leader. That's a damn good resume, and it's going to be one people are going to debate, but I just don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, unfortunately. He was a good hitter. He was a, he was a, a power hitter that got on base, which was pretty pretty rare, that, especially towards the end of his career. You know, he was a St. Louis Cardinal, so I'm all set. <laughs> um, I Hey, I voted in one, though. Voted for Scott Rowland. Congrats. I don't know. Drain the swamp of the 
freaking writers association what a joke yeah that's bad bro we stand brian hoke and that's it literally like, I actually... start, like i am i get so frustrated where what's the point of like if i'm not saying that like the hall of fame should be a popularity contest or a um a you know a charity where you let anybody in but you're telling me you cannot there's people that have blank ballots yeah that was dumb i think if you have a blank ballot that you you are you should be you should rescind your vote it shouldn't count in the overall percentage it shouldn't count you lose you lose a turn this year like there's just having a blank ballot is inexcusable yeah um because again, like, what's the whole point of the vetting process if these guys are eligible for the Hall of Fame and they get onto this finalist list? All of these people that say that these guys have met the qualifications to be considered in the Hall of Fame, you're telling me no one fits the bill? Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the ballots now. There was not a, there was one single vote for Bronson Arroyo, R.A. Dickey, John Lackey, Mike Napoli, and Houston Street. Now, I'm not saying any of those guys necessarily deserve it, but like, you know, the fact that there's one vote is a little ridiculous. Who, wait, there was someone that didn't get a single vote at all. There were multiple. Matt Cain, uh, Ellsbury, you know, she didn't deserve one, let's make it clear. But that's what I'm saying. Uh, like, why did Ellsbury even get like, you know, the eligibility yeah. right there. Andre Ethier, JJ Hardy, Johnny Peralta, Jared Weaver, and Jason Worth all did not get a single vote. So that means you're off. I believe so. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a broken system. Also, I think uh did I put Andrew Jones on my ballot or no? You did. Uh I think you did. Yeah. And I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. I was not a, like he. <sighs> this dude was a great center fielder. Uh, pretty sure he has a ring with the Braves, too. They won the NL East in every single one of his first 10 seasons. And they, <laughs> I mean, he almost hit 500 homers. This is a guy that was a. A five-tool player, and you know he's sitting not in the Hall of Fame. Say what you want about guys like A. Rod and all this stuff. How did A. Rod do actually? Let's see. What did A. Rod? He got thirty-five percent. So I don't know. Maybe there's time. So dumb. I don't so know. Dumb. Literally, it's a <laughs> What is he? A three-time MVP? Who? Andrew Jones or A. Rod? A. Rod. I think A-Rod won three times. Yeah, three-time, 14-time All-Star, 10-time Silver Slugger, and he's got his ring in 2009. Almost 700 home runs. like 690 effing six. Joke. Whatever. Whatever. This Hall of Fame soapbox is done. Um, excited for this weekend. Uh, a lot of good football, and we're going to be drinking beer. Um and I'm sure a fair amount of our pod next week will be dedicated to reviewing the brew fest too. Yeah. Beer fest pod. Yes. That'll be good. Anything else? No. Good episode. Good episode. Good guest. Jacob Carlson. Thanks for coming on. 
Yeah. Thanks to Jacob. Uh, go to easy hire. I'm going to forget the website already. Uh, easy hire cannabis. Go there. Just Google it. If that's the right website. Um, yeah, really cool stuff. If you're looking for a job in cannabis, want to learn more about the industry, head on over there, fill out your profile, um, start getting matched up. That's the episode. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.